Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, pop culture, and eliminating shady copy around greenwashing, because at the end of the day, everything is an ad. I am Luz Corona, Adweek's community editor. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, As you listeners know, my former co-host was my wonderful friend and talented colleague, Shannon Miller, who has gone on to make her mark in agency world, so we are cheering for her. Um, And obviously, these are big shoes to fill. But after a few of us, including Shannon, put our heads together to think of a strong replacement, we landed on someone who is incredibly talented, charismatic, super funny, super knowledgeable in the advertising space. And I am genuinely, truly excited for the world to get to know Rebecca Stewart, our Europe Adweek brand editor. Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) that might be the best intro i've ever had thank you so much (laughs) we're so happy to have you i am so happy to be here and i feel like we're going on this journey together liz we're just learning how to host a podcast together so stay tuned everyone (laughs) yeah rebecca what was you the advice you were just telling me i think i'm just gonna embrace that as a life motto about chaos Yeah, my motto this week and just in my life right now is just to let the chaos wash over me and just swim in it because if you fight against it, it's worse. So just be part of the chaos. Be part of the chaos. Just embrace it. I love that. I think we're going to have a really good time on here. I can't Um, wait. So before we get into this week's episode, um, Rebecca, let's get to know you a little bit. Let's let our listeners know who will be our new co-host. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, as Liz mentioned, I am Europe brand editor for Adweek and I'm based out of London, but you might detect slight accent listeners because I am in fact Scottish, Um, but I'll try my best to be as clear as possible. Um, And yeah, I cover 
brand, as I say, so I can be found kind of day to day interviewing CMOs and digging a bit deeper into the issues affecting marketers, whether that's sustainability, whether it's measurement, influencers, and what I love to write about and talk about is where marketing meets culture. Uh, so some stories I've loved working on recently and talking about on the podcast are um, Rihanna's amazing Super Bowl Fenty moment, which is just iconic, still reeling from that. Um, and yeah, I, that's the kind of stories I like to cover. So I'm excited to to join the podcast and talk more about them. I've been covering marketing for almost nine years now. Um, I started out at the drum and I've um, kind of freelanced for places like BBC, Global News and Times of London, just writing about business more broadly. I joined Adweek a year ago after being on maternity leave and what a year it's been. This is why I'm letting the chaos wash over me, the maternity leave part. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's just been an amazing year and I work really closely um, to build our presence in Europe alongside Stephen Leptak, who's our Europe chief, um, and Brittany Kiefer. So yeah, it's been an amazing year so far and I'm just looking forward to the, the next part of the journey. That's great and we're so happy to have you on. So what is some work that you are most proud of? I know you just mentioned the Rihanna story. That was a pretty big moment and you did a great job covering it. Um, what are you most proud of pre-Ad Week and then while at Ad Week? <laughs> Um, Pre-Adweek, one of the things I'm most proud of is um, in my previous job, I helped launch a scheme called the Future 50, and that kind of shines a spotlight on 50 emerging marketers who are either under 30 or over 30, but just starting out in their career. Um, And we have some amazing brands kind of spotlighted in that the first year. So we had people from brands like Unilever, but also from challengers like Monzo, which is a a huge digital bank here in the UK. So I was really proud of that. And that's continuing and it's expanded to now include agency marketers, which I've seen. So that's amazing. So that was an amazing thing to be part of. Um, And whilst at Adweek, I've just been really proud so far to help Britt and Stephen build the coverage here. And a real moment was kind of looking around Social Media Week Europe and seeing lots of faces in the room that I recognised from my previous life uh, and lots of people I knew from marketing media, but also looking at the incredible speakers that we'd managed to snare. So we had Adidas, then Global CMO. We had uh, Connie Brams from Unilever, who's just an incredible marketer and speaker. So I'm just so excited to be growing this market for Adweek and speaking to people in Europe. It's obviously a huge market, but um, it's really becoming a centre of power for advertising. I don't know if you know, but we had this little thing called Brexit in the UK. Uh, and <laughs> Heard about it. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. But yeah, it's causing kind of all sorts of issues um, for marketers, but also bringing about opportunities for marketers in cities like Paris um, and Amsterdam for the agency scenes there. So I, I'm enjo- looking forward to exploring that. And yeah, one of the things I'm proudest of here is helping build our presence in Europe and tell tell stories from the continent. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I have to say, like, you, Stephen, and Brittany have been doing such an exceptional job. Um, You know, I think some of our top trending stories have come from you guys and just expanding the market there and Adweek presence. So um, I would advise our listeners to definitely check out that coverage. Um, So we are so excited. Uh, But before we dive into this next part of our episode and what today we'll be talking about, let's go for a short break. 
Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Okay, and we are back with my new co-host, Rebecca Stewart, and we are officially starting our first episode together. So this week, to kick us off, we are bringing on our sustainability editor, Katherine Lundstrom, who recently wrote a really great article around the FTC updating guidance on environmental claims. But before we bring Katherine on, I want to sing her praises a little bit on her past sustainability coverage. So Katherine was actually named last year in Forbes as one of the 43 people changing advertising for the climate, really having a significant impact on coverage surrounding the role that advertising plays in misleading climate claims and changes. So if you haven't already, definitely check out Catherine's past work. She's had such a pulse on this um, and just really brought to light kind of the the greenwashing that occurs. Right, Catherine? Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Sure. Um, And just give us a little bit of brief on your past coverage and, and why this means so much to you, because I think because you're so passionate about it, like it really just shines through and breaks it down for the reader. No, I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I guess I have kind of always been interested in environmental stuff. I was recently, like, my grandfather just passed, and I was thinking, like, you know, it really even is a kind of a a family obsession. (laughs) Um, Thinking through, like, his legacy and everything, it really kind of, I was like, oh, maybe this is, maybe this position makes more sense for me than I realized it did. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It's something that I kind of, you know, grew up with, this kind of um, real focus on environmentalism and and care for the planet. Um, And then as climate change has accelerated and has become, you know, uh, more of a a policy issue and a social issue and, uh, um, yeah, it's kind of begun to permeate everything. It's become a business issue, a marketing issue, you know. Um, And I think as I was learning more about the advertising and marketing world and um, and seeing sustainability as an issue that was kind of permeating every piece of this industry as well. 
um, I, it just, I kind of naturally gravitated towards it um, and then started covering it officially um, as a beat. I guess, I think it was August of 2021. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much um, like made the space yourself um, yeah. and it's just grown significantly. Yeah, yeah. So I guess th- maybe that's some background, maybe more than you asked for. Um, no, but love it. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then I guess this this piece, I, I can jump into the the piece if you if that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, um, is the U.S. agency that um, that it's kind of they don't. So the FTC is. is publishes these green guides, which are really their, um, their kind of their guidance for brands when they're talking about environmental issues. So it's not, they're not enforceable, they're not laws, um, but they are guidance for brands who are talking about environmental issues and making environmental claims to get an understanding of how the FTC is thinking about these different issues. So, um, so they're updating these claims because the last time, or they're updating these, this guidance because the last time that um, they updated them, it was 2012. Things were very different. Um, climate change was a different, the, the issue meant something differently in, you know, in the way that consumers think about, about topics. I mean, you know, it was, it was a, Barack Obama was was running for his second term as president. <laughs> it was a different world. Um, so they're updating this guidance. Um, it it helps. It the goal is so is to help brands to navigate these issues because while they're not while they're not regulations or laws, the 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 FTC does have the power to take action mm-hmm. against. Um, companies for misleading or confusing consumers um so so that's kind of it's a it's kind of a you know it can it it's a dry topic on the surface but it gets into some some messy spaces and um and major issues for for marketers who are working in this space and trying to figure out exactly what they can say and what they can't say about different products or claims that that brands are making mm-hmm one of the interesting things that you brought up in the piece, Catherine, um, was that in the EU, in the UK, um, regulators are taking a much tougher line on this. So I was really shocked when I read that the FTC guidelines hadn't been updated in over a decade. Um, I just wonder like, why why the US is lagging a little bit on this issue and and how brands will kind of react to the guidelines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, the... When I was speaking with with folks for the um, for the piece, they were initially the green guides were first um, put out in the early '90s, and the idea was to kind of update them every ten years. Um, so they've been kind of sticking with that cadence, which I think probably made sense in the early '90s, and maybe doesn't make quite as much sense now. <laughs> but they're still kind of on that on that schedule, um, and they're a little bit behind right now because the current head of the FTC, as I understand it, has a really ambitious, um, uh, I guess, slate of the rule, a bunch of rulemaking goals and um, in a bunch of different, it's not just obviously environmental claims that the FTC is worried about. Um, The FTC is worried about consumer protection across the board. So um, there's a lot that 
that the agency is trying to do right now. And I think they're just behind because they have a pretty ambitious um, uh, agenda. Um, and and things could change if um, the who is in the White House changes. So I think it's kind of a race to get things done um, in the time period that they have. It's it's interesting because I know you said this is a dry topic, Catherine, but it really does impact advertising. Um, and we're finally seeing the needle kind of move in in fighting the claims and the all the greenwashing that has has occurred. Um, and what I love about I know we talked about the intro and like you kind of put into context like how long it's been. But I really I want to give a shout out to your lead in your, the piece because, you know, you really painted the vision for the <laughs> the reader. You said like Barack was in office. This was pre Sandy. We were all singing somebody that I used to know on repeat, you know, like it really just <laughs> it really just like brings it to life, like how long it's actually been. So this is this is actually really significant. Um So what, you know, brand purpose, we've seen it really escalate over the past few years. Everyone's trying to tackle sustainability, quote unquote, whatever that means. Um, What would you say are brands that are doing it right, like actually using the right copy and really kind of walking the walk? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's so many caveats that I want to that I want to start with. But I mean, there's some basic, you know, there's some obvious winners, right? Like, I mean, Patagonia is is um, ahead of everybody, basically. Um, And but they're in a unique position. Um, They're not, you know, publicly traded, um, which makes it a little bit different. REI is another one that like, you know, they're not publicly traded. So like they have a different set of pressures um, financially. But I think I, I, don't, I think that there's, you know, there are brands that are really rooting themselves in the science when they're approaching environmental claims, and there are brands that seem to be approaching it from a more of a uh, reputational risk mm-hmm. perspective. Gotcha. Um, and I think that that helps me to kind of, like, when I look at what a brand puts out, I'm like, okay what are they trying to do here? Are they like managing the risk associated with how much waste they're producing? Like their reputational risk that's associated with that when consumers are caring about it more, or are they really trying to communicate a massive change that they made, you know, Um, or are they really trying to connect their consumers with, um, with resources around um, their environmental work or something, you know, like there, there are different goals. And sometimes you can kind of see that from the positioning. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, there, there are like the, the shining stars and then there are like a bunch of brands that are kind of sit in a gray area. Um, Yeah. A little performative. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think consumers understand this language or do you think there's an education piece there? Because, in the UK recently, there was a survey and a surprising number of people um, weren't aware what things like offsetting carbon, carbon neutrality, net zero, what those terms meant. So even if brands start using them correctly, like will consumers understand them and how can brands help consumers understand them? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge question. One of the people that I spoke with for the piece um she works for a consulting firm that focuses on sustainability related issues. And her point with the green guides was that, you know, this, um, that 
that I guess the 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 problems that this that the green guys are the that the green guys are trying to solve are not problems that marketers alone can address. Um, that there needs to be broader public education campaigns, and there's like sometimes really there's infrastructure barriers um, that 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 they're facing when it comes to things like recyclability and compostability. But the, yeah, I think when you're talking about those high level questions, um, you can kind of get in the weeds here and then be like, okay, brands need to be very specific about what they're talking about when they mean, yeah. when they, what they're, what they mean when they say net zero and what they mean when they're say they're saying carbon neutral, but like rarely do those things even resonate with your general consumer. Um, so I think, yeah, I think there is a, big public education piece that um, that needs to be addressed. It's just a matter, I guess, of whether, like how much of that is a brand's responsibility. And I don't know, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm not sure where I land on this, to be honest, because it's like, you know, you, they need to get it right. They need to be rooted in the science when they're talking about their actions. And at the same time, you can't expect a regular consumer to have a degree in sustainability. Right. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's tricky, right? Because there's really a white space there to educate consumers on sustainability, but you kind of have to be rooted in it and really like be following through to be able to educate consumers. And I can't really think of anyone who's fully doing that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was speaking with a CMO um, a couple weeks ago who was kind of talking about like, he's like, okay, we do, it was a consumer packaged goods company. And he was like, we do, you know, we do our, our sustainability work. We have a team that works on that. We're working on regenerative regenerative agriculture and working on improving our packaging. But when it comes to our like the communication that we have with our consumers, we're selling snacks. Like these people don't, like they, they want a snack. They don't want to know about our original <laughs> agriculture at the point of sale. You know, they want to know if we have a new flavor. They don't want to know, um, you know, they don't need a, a, a diatribe on like the, the values of regenerative agriculture and the importance of that in the climate fight, you know, like, yeah. um, so it's kind of, th- there's different levels, obviously, of um, communication and like, um, and how you appeal to marketers at those different levels, or how you appeal to consumers at those different levels, I think are, are important questions. Yeah. One of the um, the things I'm I'm curious about, Catherine, is since you started covering the space, like in 2021, you know, CMOs have so much responsibility on their shoulders now, and we're kind of seeing a little bit of an increase in brands appointing like a head of sustainability, kind of titles like that. Is that something that you're like experiencing as being on the rise? And could this help brands kind of translate whatever these guidelines are into action and take a bit of pressure off of the the CMO there? Yeah, I mean, I think it totally. It's so hard to like make um, generalized comments. I feel like about these dynamics within companies because it it so depends on like. You know, is the company one that has had sustainability in its mandate from the beginning or isn't it? And like, how big is the company? Like, how many people are at the decision-making table? Um, So I think sometimes, yeah, having a... Uh, somebody in the C-suite whose main goal is just to keep everybody 
on track as far as their sustainability goals and um, the goals are how as far as the goals go and like also like sustainability is one of those things that doesn't mean anything unless it's like part of everything and yeah um, so I think having that voice there can be really valuable I also think it can be um, a way to greenwash a little bit like to just have Mm when you have somebody in the chief sustainability role who is really a marketer, who's really just, you know, parroting sustainability talking points mm-hmm. and that isn't that playing that role where they're actually involved in like operations and in supply chain and in like, it's a complex and complicated role. And if you just have somebody there who's a mouthpiece for your, um, for your sustainability announcements, that's that's not really <laughs> that's not really <laughs> doing the work that needs to happen. So I, I've definitely right. seen lot a wide range. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everyone loves to use the fancy buzzwords, right? And then come to find out it's all buzzwords. Um, so it'll be interesting to see it roll out. I have one more question for you, Katie, just trying to wrap my head around all of this. Um, so FTC is coming out with updated guidelines. It's been a minute. Um, so say a brand uses, from my understanding, like a brand, if they use like kind of like greenwashing language, this is when these FTC guidelines kind of come to play and just say, hey, you can't really do that. Um, is that correct in understanding that? And if a brand does that, what are the implications? Do you know, like, do they pay fines or, or what happens to them? It really depends. The FTC takes action against um, a company if they are, and they can order different kinds of, it's it's very dependent on the, on the issue. And that wasn't the focus of my piece. So I can't speak to like <laughs> exactly what will happen. And I think it really varies um, to kind of, you know, cover cover myself here um but (laughs) but what i what i have seen and what folks did tell me is that um the consequences for greenwashing or making misleading environmental claims are on the rise overall and especially multinational companies that have you know that are doing business in europe as well are facing the eu regulations and the asa um crackdowns and um and in the us there are there's also private litigation that um Mm. can come back to bite brands who are making misleading claims especially if they do business in california where there are stricter laws around these things so so it's not just the ftc the ftc is something and can kind of set the tone based on how it's talking about different issues. You know, if it says, if it has a threshold for like, what what has to be true in order to say that something is compostable or recyclable or something along those lines, then that can kind of like set a tone for like what is acceptable more broadly. But at the same time, there's a lot of different ways that companies are facing consequences for making misleading claims um, or, you know, lying about their sustainability attributes of their products. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think this is an exciting time. We're entering kind of new territory here. Guidelines are being updated. Consumers are paying more attention. Um, So I think 
the needle continues to move. Uh, and we're looking forward to your coverage continuing, Catherine. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank thanks so much. And thank you to my new co-host, Rebecca Stewart. I love saying it. That's why I'm just going to keep saying it. <laughs> um, and yeah, Rebecca, welcome to the chaos. We're letting it wash over us. And we'll continue the fun next week. Thank you for hopping on. Thank you. More chaos to come. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.